Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. And they start to become weird. And there's a point where someone comes to you and is like, dude, you really need to grow up, right? Yeah, no, I'm not getting any. Yeah, okay, thank you, thank you. It would be weird, okay, right? And I'm telling you, basically, there is a natural progression of maturity and developing. And it is the same thing in our Christianity. It, it, when we got saved, we were baby Christians, okay? And, and it's okay. We're rough around the edges. Like, we, we probably spit up emotions or curse words on people, you know? We probably, we probably, like, we're real rough around the edges, you know, making, maybe we needed, like, an emotional diaper to hold all of our crud together, right? Like, maybe we just need these things, right? But it's okay. Like, you're a baby Christian. We didn't know any better. I love, there was a famous actor who got saved a couple years ago, and uh, he says this. He'd been saved like a week, if that even, right? And he was so zealous about his newfound faith, he went on the air and he just told everyone about it. This is what he said. He said, I became a Christian man, not in an F star, 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 ing, bowl, S star, star way. <laughs> not in an F, mm, beep, bowl, mm, beep way. And he says, I'm going to be the real F, beep, ing deal. I'm going to be a real Christian. <laughs> right? Yeah, this is what he says, right? And he says, it was a real thing and I really got saved. And you can't identify it unless you've really gone through it. This man, uh, a lot of people freaked out. How could a Christian say that? Right? But with me, part of me was like, he's a baby. Like, that's adorable. Like, like he, he doesn't have the words to describe his newfound encounter. So he's just trying with what he's got. And sure, he's spitting up. Like, it's okay. Like, he's been saved a week, dude. Give him a break. Like, I love your zeal, man. Like, way to go. That is awesome. Like, bravo for standing up and saying, I am happy about my faith, right? And maybe, yeah. So basically, though, how me know it would be weird if 10 years later, or if a pastor, Pastor Daniel, gets up here and he's like, I'm the real effing deal. <laughs> you know, people would be like, what kind of a church is this, right? And people would be like so freaked out, right? And because they're, they are expected that you have grown and you have matured now, okay? And that this spitting up of like anger or these spitting up of like cursing or attacking people or these immature things, they should have gone away after a while. Like if you're saved for 10 years and you're still throwing like tantrums, it's like, all right, dude, like, you're like perpetually trying to stay a baby. Like, you know, you have to begin to mature and to grow and change. If, if I met a college student who never learned how to read and they're expecting to get a college degree and they're like, I don't need to learn to read. I'm like, dude, you're going to have a hard time in college, right? Like, no, I'll make it. How dare you tell me I need to change? And I'm like, dude, you need to learn to read, right? Put in the work, learn how to read. You're like 20 now. It's not cute anymore. Like, learn how to read, man. There's a part where now you're just being irresponsible, you know? And, but in the same way, how many Christians have been saved 10 years? And if you challenge them on reading the word, they're like, oh, dude, I'm just not a word kind of guy. I'm like a prayer and a worship kind of person. And you're like, well, 
you need the word also, you know? Like, like, okay, I get that. The word was really hard when you were young, but you gotta go after it. You gotta try to get into it. Like, learn to read this thing, right? So the thing is, you have to mature and become an ever-growing, ever-maturing Christian in your faith and, and ever-challenge, overcoming, growing if you wanna have a sustainable lifestyle in the Lord. The minute you begin to plateau is when you begin to die. You gotta keep going. Gotta keep maturing. Gotta keep going. There's no shame. If you've only been saved like a short amount of time, no shame tonight. When you hear the message tonight, try to just get one good nugget out of it and just chew onto that, okay? But if you've been saved for a while now, like I hope tonight would inspire you to go after God more, but also challenge you and, and maybe convict some of us some areas where we need to mature and we need to start going after this thing, okay? And so tonight, to speak about the maturity of the believer, we brought in a mature believer tonight, okay? We brought in, we brought in one of my favorite men. We brought in just one of my most favorite men. He is awesome. I love this guy uh, because he actually... Uh, he One, he's a world traveler. He has spoken in Brazil to a whole bunch of people, like that, like flew in, spoke, just radical stuff happened. It was incredible. He's also really like an amazing father figure in this house in Summit. If you come on Sunday mornings, you see him all the time, right? He loves, he has a passion for young people. He has a passion to see them uh, to just develop in their gifting and go after God and grow as believers. And what I love about him is he's not one of those guys, like, you know, sometimes when you, if you, meet someone who's like older than you and they, they start to be like, well, in my day, it was like this. And then they start to tell you how all the ways you need to change and you need to be like how it was for me, right? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever had that before, but I have. I have people like, let me sit you down and tell you how it is, right? And he's never done that. He actually said, can I take you to lunch? And he took me to lunch and then he asked me questions and was like, what do you think God's doing? What do you think we need to do? What do you think? And he actually let me speak into his life. And I had never had that happen before. I had always been told, you're younger than me. You let me speak into your life, right? And, and he actually said, no, I want to hear what you have to say too, because God's going to speak through you to me. Like one of the, just the most humble men I've seen where he says, hey, we're in this together. Let's go after God together. And I love one time, actually, we were hanging out and I, uh, I accidentally called him bro. And I felt so disrespectful. I was like, yeah, bro, there, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I was really comfortable for a moment and I'm really sorry. Like, and, and he looked at me and his response, his response was, what? I'm your bro. <laughs> he's like, I can be your bro. Like, why are you sorry? Like, let me, and he's like, let me be a bro, you know? And I was like, this is awesome. So, but he has a passion and a zeal for Jesus and to see us mature in our faith and our understanding and our love of God. So can we all just give a standing ovation, just welcome to Brian Ward as he comes up tonight and speaks to us. Come on. Yes, so he's going to take it away for a little while, all right? You got this. It's going to be awesome. Actually, um, this is, I'm being honest with you about this. But one of the people that I, when I listen to him, I always think, how could I ever follow this guy? <laughs> Seriously, it's Taylor. I mean, I've never heard a guy who can teach like Taylor does. 
and who can really be himself and, and speak the word. He actually makes me feel like, man, I don't want to ever... Because I asked him at one point, because we had talked to Pastor Daniel about doing something together, and uh, I'm still believing someday it will happen. And uh, <laughs> But uh, <clears throat> the more I listen to Taylor, the more I wonder, what in the world would I do? Because I'm, I'm totally different than he is. I'm just 100% different than he is. Um, I hope we get through the notes tonight. Usually I throw the notes away. Uh, that's the way I operate. <laughs> I would like to say one thing about Brazil. I know I'm eating into my time, but it's my time, so I'll eat into it. <laughs> so, um, Pastor Daniel said to me one year, hey, I, I think you really it'd be really great if you went to Brazil with uh, Teresa and I. Then we could get to know each other and we could spend time together. And I said to him, yeah, 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 fine. I said, you, you, go, you go on your mission trip. I'll give you money for your mission trip, but I'm not going on any mission trips. I'm not staying up all night on a plane. I'm not going to sit in those crummy little seats all that time and then get there and be miserable because I'm exhausted and I'm running from church to church with you guys. And he goes, and so I was like, forget it. Just forget it. So then uh, a year later, he says, you know, it'd be really great <laughs> if you went to Brazil with us. And I thought, all right. I'll go to Brazil with you, and then you'll be happy, and I don't have to do this anymore. <laughs> so I went to Brazil with him, and, and I, the first day when we landed in Brazil, I have to say it was the most amazing thing I've ever lived through. It was an absolute, I had an absolute encounter with God. We went to a four-square church. We ministered. And God spoke to me so clearly about what to do and how to handle myself and what to do with people. And I ran around that church and laid hands on people. I had people piled up all over the place. And everybody else is up front, you know, being themselves and, I'm, and being good people. I'm back there jumping on people. And I went back to my hotel room that night and I laid in bed and cried for an hour and a half, literally cried over the people. I could feel the things that people dealt with. I could feel the young girls who dealt with sexual abuse. I could feel the misuse and the torment that went on with people because of the way the, you, you think the economy doesn't affect you? That people absolutely are living in really hard situations. And they just need, they just really need a touch from God. And so here comes this crew of people and, and then this wild white-haired guy running around. And, and I had people come up to me and say, touch me. They just say, touch me. And then they go down. And it was like, I was like, this is wild. I mean, this is absolutely wild. And we went to this one church called Gravidad Zero. And... Uh, it was, it was about 150 people. It sits, seats about 150 people. And God spoke to me and said, do the same. I want you to do the same thing. So I went around the whole church, and I swear there were people laying on top of each other, four high. 
and they were, I, I mean, they were knocking chairs over and stuff. All I did, had to do was walk by him. The pastor's wife came over, and I was like, whoa. And I put my hand on her, and she flew across the, the seats. And it was like, this is the way it went the whole time. And I, I, I was like, man, this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I'll tell you, this is a lot of fun. So... Um, so I ended up, the, I really had, that church was really on my heart. So I started to contact the pastor and some of the people there that I had met. And then the pastor invited me to come back. So I stayed with him and his family, and I, I preached there. And here we are, we're in a, a building with 150 people. There's 400 people showed up for the meeting. And they were out in the parking lots. I mean, it goes right out into the street because of the way it's all built out, and uh, people upstairs. And um, we just, we spent four hours that night ministering to people. Just, they would not let me out of the place. <laughs> I, said, I said to these, and then the, they had people who were superb ushers. They would work with you and flow with you. It was unbelievable what these, how these people operated and how they helped you. And they would, they would say, like, you called this person up, and they've been standing here for 20 minutes, and you need to do something with them, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So it was, but it was like, I said, okay, we're all going to go this way. We're all going to go around to the left here, and because there's an opening here, and we'll try to get everybody lined up, and the whole place would go around to, with me and get in front of me. So it was like I tried to get people to help me minister, so, and they wouldn't. And so it was like, oh, four hours of this. So this time, we're going back in February. I'm taking Susan Taylor with me. And I'm taking my son, who has no idea what he's getting himself into. He has no idea what it's like to walk in this church. Because you walk into this place, and the, and, and the worship starts... And it's like, I yelled out when I, as soon as I started on the Tuesday night, I got there and I went, now I remember why I love to come here. It's like overwhelming, overwhelming. And so you really have to, in the midst of this, and as I've developed a relationship with the church and the pastors and everything, and they contact me with stuff they're dealing with, and you, it starts to be a little bit different arrangement. I'm not a, no longer like here. I come in and I visit and do this, do you know, have a meeting and then leave. Now I'm like part of the church. So you've got to develop a maturity. You have to develop a maturity to affect people and help them because it's not easy. The pastor hasn't got an easy job. They go through a lot of stuff. And we've worked through a lot of stuff with him, with his leadership, with his family. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really, <laughs> I'll use the word humbling, to get contacted and say, we're having all this, and they list in detail what we're, they're dealing with. And then have to go pray and then come back and say, I think you ought to do the following. And then have it bear fruit. You know, so it's like 
you can have an impact. I never imagined. I had no intention to go to Brazil. I didn't want to go anywhere near Brazil. <laughs> you know, but I went, and what a change in my life it's been. It's just, it's just amazing. It's worth going through what you go through. And what do I mean by that? It's worth developing yourself. Do you know that Jesus... Jesus actually, um, he actually developed a relationship with the Father and with men. He actually grew in favor with God and man as he grew up. That, that scripture always blew me away, that, God, that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Jesus. So what makes you think you don't have to do the same? So let me give you, hey, you know, I'm really an old guy. I, I do have a claim to fame, though. I was young once. <laughs> so I know what it's like to be young. So <laughs> actually, I'm probably still too young. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 20, where it's talking about prophecy, it says, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, in understanding, be mature. You know you can't have wisdom unless you're mature. You know, we sang that song about God, wisdom, give me wisdom. He'll give you wisdom, but you've got to be mature. You've got to be able to carry it. And I'll show you the scripture that talks about it. Philippians 3, 3, verses 12 through 15, it says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. Perfected means mature. And I'm already arrived. It says, But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, let us, he's speaking to a group of people, He's speaking to the mature, not to the babes. Let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Okay, so it, it's, it's really important to understand that maturity is something that you have got to grow in. You, you'll never be a worthwhile you, you revival, you know, we all want revival. We want, though, it wouldn't be great. Let's do this in revival. But if you're not mature and you try to move in revival, it'll crush you. You can't carry it. You've got to have maturity. You got to know what to do in certain situations. You know, Taylor came over and talked to me about what are we going to do? You know, I got this, I got that. I've got, and I said, I've got this word for this girl. And, and so we're talking about it. But see, you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide how you're going to go with the Holy Spirit. And you have to be able to flow with the Holy Spirit. 
but it takes a maturity. That's why I, I have to honor Taylor, because maturity has nothing to do with your age. Maturity has nothing. There are really goofy, babyish people who are my age. I work with a lot of them. Yeah. I'm not saying you. <laughs> but there are. There's people who are like, you got to be kidding. Are you, are you alive? You know, I mean, grow up. I'm serious. How about this one? You know, you come in on a Monday. Hey, over the weekend, I got really drunk, man. I can hardly stand up. I'm sorry, that's really immature. That is really immature. So you got to be able to learn how to walk in maturity. Jesus had to learn to walk in maturity. You do too. In Hebrews, Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 3, uh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Um, in Hebrews, actually, in, in chapter 5, it's talking about Jesus and all the things he went through and where he got to and how he went before the Father, how he handled himself and reached the point where God, could, God said, you know, you're, you bait, you're ready to be at my right hand. And he died on the cross and did all these things and then he jumps into Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. He says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That's a pretty heavy, heavy. It's a pretty heavy, heavy. If all you're doing is drink, and then he tells you, he tells you later what the milk is. And you know what a lot of it is? What we hear every Sunday. Think about it. Think about it. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, in other words, mature. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, oh, I'm at church. Everything's so wonderful. I wish I didn't have to work where I work. It's awful there. Why, if I just could work at the church, everything would be so fantastic. That is not mature. You have no clue what you're dealing with at church. I heard a guy, I heard a preacher actually come out and say, he said, I'd rather send my kids to the bar than to bring them to church. <laughs> because of some of the stuff that goes on at church. I mean, come on, be real. Let's be real. I went to a church where the pastor was so, he was so controlling. It was like, it was ridiculous. You couldn't do anything. But boy, I mean, what an act. That's what I like about Daniel and Teresa. What you see up here, if he's klutzy up here, he's klutzy at home. 
If he's goofy here, he's goofy at home. I've been with him at his home, working on his house, helping him and everything. And boy, I'll tell you, he's just as, just as goofy as he is here. Yeah. It's the same guy. Yeah. It's not, hey, you know, I'm, I'm this way at home and I'm this way at church. That's what I like about him. You know? I've watched him get upset over certain things. Hard to believe. A pastor getting upset. I love it because it's, you know, and I'm not, now I'm not afraid to be myself around him. I don't know where I'm going with this. But, you know, it says those who by reason of use have their senses. Your senses are part of your soul. Your soul has to be renewed. When you renew your mind with a word, that's what you're doing. You're renewing your soul. You're renewing your senses. You're becoming mature. There's only one way for you to get mature, and that's by getting into the Word. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of times you need some guidance in the Word, because the the Word can be pretty like, what does this mean? I have a book at home. The book, book, the four interpretations of the book of Revelations. It's this big. There are four interpretations that have been captured in a book of the book of Revelations. The one know today, the one that we hear all the time, is because of Trinity Broadcasting Network. The other three you'll never hear about. At ten? Oh my gosh. Well, I got four of them. Oh, it's... <laughs> So your, your senses have to be exercised. You exercise your senses. You know, a lot of times when I get into words, giving people words, I operate in the discerning of spirits, in the, in the gift of discerning of spirits. I discern a person's spirits, you know, their, their spirits, spirits around them, you know, evil spirits, good spirits, whatever. You, you can discern all that. It's not like, oh, there's a devil over there. That's not what discerning of spirits is. Discerning of spirits is to have an actual discernment of what's going on with respect to the spiritual situation that's at hand. So, that's what I move in a lot of times. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ... Let us go on to perfection or maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance, of dead works, and of faith toward God. Yet most churches you walk into every Sunday, what you hear is a salvation message once again. What are you talking about this week, salvation? What did you talk about last week, salvation? What's he going to talk about next week, salvation? It's not all there is. It says, and then it goes on and says, of the doctrine of baptisms. Baptisms. There's more than one. There's more than two. (laughs) Of laying on of hands. Of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits 
And then it goes on and does, it says something, before I, 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 I'll see if I jump into this or not. How much time do I have? Okay. All right, so. It, jump, it says in chapter six, verse four, it starts out, it says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. So what it's saying is that unless you're heading towards maturity, this is very simple. If you're heading towards maturity and all of a sudden you hit a bump in the road and you've, you, now you're getting, you're getting teaching on the Holy Spirit, you're, getting, you're starting to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the age to come, you start doing all these things, it says there's a danger. You hit a bump in the road. Oh, my, my great aunt died, and we prayed for her over and over and over again. I don't believe God heals. I just don't believe God heals everybody. Well, the word says he does heal everybody. So guess what you're doing? The danger is that you crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. How often do you hear people blame God for things that are bad to happen? That's called open shame. You put God to an open shame. My wife hates this stuff. Somebody starts in and she will tell them to stop. Oh, this God did this and took our child and no, wrong. You have an enemy. Jesus came to bring life and life more abundantly. It's the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's maturity. That's maturity. So what are you supposed to do in those situations? Stand. Stand, therefore. Stand. And, and you know, I, I don't even go along with this. Well, you know, I'm not sure I know why it happens. I don't give a flip why it happens. It shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. So I'm standing to see things change. There is, there is going to be a people on this planet that are going to watch people raised from the dead like it's going out of style. It's going to be like natural. What, I mean, come on. What do you think in Isaiah chapter 60? What, what do you think the, 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 all the, the nations are going to come to the church? You know, they're going to come to the church for something. They're going to come because they've, they're attractive. There's something that attracts them. I mean, how many people stop in the parking lot here who are driving by, you know, from the world and come running into the church? I mean, come on, let's just be honest with where we're at. How many people, you know, we got all these chairs empty and everything. How many people are driving up and pulling in and, and saying, man, I don't know what's going on, but I just can't believe something's happening and I just want to be here. And 
come on, that stuff. I went to a church in Lancaster, California, where that stuff used to happen. People pull in, the car would stop. They couldn't start it again. <laughs> I'm serious. I am serious. I am serious. And you know who used to get them saved? It wasn't the pastor. It was the ushers. The ushers go out in the parking lot, get people saved. We had, we had a, uh, we had a um, uh, five minutes. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not getting to what I was going to, but I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. But there are, there, are, there, are, there are situations, you know, and people say, oh, we shouldn't talk about the past. And then I hear these guys, I love it. You know, these, these, these guys get up on the platform and they say, we shouldn't talk about the past and recall it. We're going into the future and everything. And then two weeks later, you hear them, you know, back years ago, this used to happen. It's like, look, great stuff happened. And we do talk about it. It's simple as that. And where I went to church in Lancaster was unbelievable. People used to come from southern L.A., People used to come from northern, up in northern California, come to this place, and it was unbelievable. Pastor would preach a message that you'd think, nobody could ever get saved out of this. That was so deep. And 35 people run down and give their lives to Jesus. You know, and, and this is what was going on right and left in this church. But because the pastor wasn't mature, it all fell apart. Because things began to happen, he, 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 certain things went, went certain ways, he didn't like it, and he wasn't prepared for it, and he didn't keep himself in a position of being mature, and it all faded away. And you know what, everybody, nobody went away from the church saying, man, I can't stand that pastor. They went, man, we got ripped off. We got ripped off. And I'm believing again that that same thing's gonna happen. I walk around believing. When I go to Brazil, I see the same kind of stuff I saw up there. It's like, man, this is fantastic. I mean, it's just fantastic because I just, I just love to see people absolutely moved and wrecked by God. Am I done? But we, <laughs> but you, you've got to have, you've got to have a desire to mature. You know, sometimes the word just, it's like boring, I'm bored, I don't want to read this. But let me tell you something, God will reveal things to you. God will open your eyes up to things. You know, and, and he'll take you different directions. You'll start in the word, he'll take you some direction and it's like all kinds of things begin to happen for you. You, you've, you have the most exciting lives ahead of you, most exciting because of where you sit, because of who you are, because you're king's kids, because you, you're living in the kingdom of God. That's what I had in my notes. Do you know, do you know, we have, everybody gets all hung up on, let's pray our father, the, our father, you know, thy, the, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, and you, know, it, you know what it says? I'm going to take a few minutes to do this, and then I'm done. But I, I, it says three times in the scriptures, 
God says that the kingdom of God will arrive on earth right after he was raised from the dead. In Matthew 16, verse 28, Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. He was talking to people that were standing in front of him. It says, Mark chapter 9, verse 1, And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Luke 9, verses 26 to 27. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his fathers and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God showed up when Jesus was raised from the dead. All we got to do is, he said, the kingdom of God's on the inside of you. Stop praying for it and let it come out. Stop praying. Why are you praying for things you already have? It's on the inside of you. It isn't me running around when I, you know, being wild. It's the kingdom of God on the inside of me coming out and affecting people around me because I believe it. It's the kingdom of God that's on the... When you walk around the halls of a dormitory in the school over here, when you walk to a class, the kingdom of God's on the inside of you and wants to come out. A lot of times you don't even know, need to open your mouth. A lot of times you just need to let it come out. Just let it ooze out. When I was walking around Gravidad Zero, people were falling out and I wasn't going anywhere near them. I didn't say a word to them. Didn't prophesy, didn't do anything. It's like, walk over, boom, boom. You know, it was like, whoa. Man, hope that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> so that's what you guys got to believe. Everywhere you go, when I go to work, I say, you know, and I'm, I'm the worst. I'll be like, this is terrible. I hate this place. And I got to remind myself, shut up. Just shut up. The power of life and death's in the tongue. Shut up. I got to bring the kingdom of God out of me. I got to be the, the kingdom of God walking around my hallways in the company. I watched a company I worked for literally prosper where you could watch it prosper. And it was a large company because I was there. Wow, that's not very humble. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Listen to his teaching. <laughs> hey. I'm just telling you, it's on the inside of all you guys. There's enough power in this room to transform San Marcos and surrounding cities. There's enough power in this room. God spoke to me once up in Lancaster and said to me, there is enough power in one small church for me to change this entire valley and I said, well, why, why don't they do it? And he says, because they don't believe it. And you know what else? That's because they, we put them to shame. 
Now, see, the repentance there doesn't talk about repentance like, okay, you're not saved anymore. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about you can't bring people to repentance who have already tasted all this stuff and now are so just so bitter over what happened that they can't be brought back. Their minds can't be changed. Yeah, but I'll never forget this happening. Well, I hate to end abruptly, but that's it. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.